The life of a storm chaser isn't for the weak of heart. Braving extreme weather conditions to document natural disasters up close, it takes accurate forecasting skills and nerves of steel to drive toward massive, destructive storms while most people are fleeing for safety. All right, it's debris, that's big. All right, where do we go? Go, 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 go! Endless days on the move, adrenaline pumping as a tornado comes into view, getting caught in a hail shaft as your windshield shatters in front of you. It's an action-packed lifestyle. A lifestyle dominated by men. But one woman is on a mission to change that. Whatever it is that you're telling yourself about why you can't, it's not true. And I know that that's scary but it's worth it. Girls Who Chase is a nonprofit supporting and elevating the work of female storm chasers. And today I am going off the radar and riding shotgun with the founder of Girls Who Chase, Jen Walton. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Hello and welcome to Off the Radar. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. We're talking about storm chasing today. But not just storm chasing. There's an underrepresented voice in the storm chasing community. And that is women. So in recent years, storm chasing has gained popularity. We see it all over social media. They go viral. They're selling their video to news shows, to TV shows, but it still remains a male-dominated field. Jen Walton saw this imbalance firsthand as a storm chaser and wanted to create a platform where she could share the work of these female storm chasers. So in this episode, Jen is going to share what inspired her to start the community, We'll hear about the unique challenges faced by women in storm chasing, as well as the incredible strengths that they bring to the field. What I have noticed that women do better, and you see it on our Instagram page, is find the beauty in weather. Jen's also going to open up about her personal journey as a female storm chaser. And realizing that I've been telling myself almost my entire life that something that I truly love that brings me joy is something I couldn't or shouldn't be doing in a community that I didn't belong to because I wasn't seeing people storm chasing who looked like me. 
She was determined to chase her dreams, and she's doing it now. It's super inspirational. It inspired me talking to her as a woman, as a meteorologist. I just, I can't wait for you to hear more from Jen on Girls Who Chase and how they're empowering women to pursue their passions, whatever they may be. Here's my interview with Jen. Jen Walton, let's talk about Girls Who Chase, this organization you have founded And it's really cool when this um, popped up as, you know, Instagram notification at one point way back when it said Girls Who Chase is now following you, following you. And I thought, well, what's that? That's cool. I want to know more about this. So let's start with talking about you. I want to hear a little bit bit of background on you and, you know, your scientific background, your communications background. Tell me what you've done in the past. Yeah. So I um, did not start storm chasing until 2018. And that that storyline uh, runs parallel with the birth of, of the Girls Who Chase the Initiative. My background and expertise is in science and climate change communication. I have been, um, I have two degrees. I have a master's degree in technical journalism and a bachelor's in environmental communication. And so I have been talking about science and environment uh, for a very long time <laughs> in a communications capacity. Um, and that also means that I have been working in technical fields and and the science world for a very long time as well, and have long been steeped in the culture of gender disparity in the sciences. And while I don't think that there is a direct correlation um, between that culture and my experience kind of shifting out of a weather watcher into a storm chaser, I think there are some indirect correlations that are actually more subtle and pervasive. Um, And that is also part of why uh, the birth of Girls Who Chase parallels my story, because it was the discovery of um, kind of self-limiting beliefs, uh, going through this self-discovery process and realizing that I've been telling myself almost my entire life that something that I truly love that brings me joy is something I couldn't or shouldn't be doing in a community that I didn't belong to because I wasn't seeing people storm chasing who looked like me. So that was that was kind of a big piece of it is I think, you know, um, not having representation in in the field in the in the field of field going um, whether women, I guess I should say, um, was a big piece of why I felt like I didn't belong. So um I have been working with scientists and educators and communications folks for a very long time talking about bringing science to folks in a variety of different ways, talking about climate change. And so I was always kind of one degree removed from the severe weather research folks and spent a very long time trying to get them to take me out with them, thinking, you know, oh, you have to be a meteorologist to storm chase. It's dangerous. I should go with an expert, which all of these things are are a good thing to be thinking. It's it's not a bad thing to want to stay safe, but um, it also was preventing me, I think, from recognizing that I could actually teach myself to forecast and, and that there were other ways of going about that um, to get myself into the field. Interesting. Um, I want to dig more into those subtleties in just a minute, but I, I want to ask about Girls Who Chase and kind of how that was born and how you created this and then how it's grown since then. Once I did start storm chasing, um, it is true that the field of storm chasing is male dominated. Um, There are definitely women who are storm chasing. Um, They do it well and they're out there quite a bit, but you just don't see them as much. And that was part of 
what I ended up digging into. So when I did start, um, most of my chase friends were men because that is who was storm chasing. And I just happened to notice after a while that um, there were some strange manifestations of um, women in the sciences. And it was it while it was manifesting similarly to what I had seen in my career, it wasn't coming from the same place. And and what I mean by that is I, I think in a lot of cases, um, if you're running into instances of misogyny or gender disparity or uh, marginalization of of women in the sciences, it's often perpetuated by the people who benefit from it the most, which is men. That is obviously not an across the board. Um, there are all kinds of discrepancies there, but in general, that that is what research has found. In the case of storm chasing, it was a lot more confusing and kind of slowed me down a bit in terms of recognizing where it was coming from. And and what I mean by that is um, I felt very welcome in the storm chasing community. I, there was no instance where I felt like men were threatened by my presence. Um, I wasn't being treated differently. I was welcomed into the community. In fact, most of my biggest fans early on, um, as I was learning to forecast, were male storm chasers. Everyone was very encouraging. And yet, um, what I was noticing as I was out chasing with folks is my male chase partner would, you know, get great engagement, pats on the back for his great storm chasing decisions. Um, you know, media sales, et cetera, that were just kind of, from my perspective, falling into his lap. <laughs> and I was getting crickets. Um, and it was actually like a really stark juxtaposition in many cases. And um, one could certainly say that early on, uh, it was just because I wasn't very good <laughs> at what I was doing, right? Y'all, we all got to start somewhere. You don't start out perfect at everything. And yet, um, the chaser that I was out with the most and noticing this with the most started chasing at the same time I did. His, he was side by side with me on the same storms. Our content looked very similar. And so we started to um, kind of run a social experiment after a while where, you know, if we posted side by side, he would get the engagement and the pats on the back. Once or twice, we actually tried it where he would post nothing and I would post content and then I would get the engagement and the pats on the back. And so what what I realized after a while is, okay, everybody's assuming that I was just along for the ride and he got me there and made all of the decisions and did all of the work when in fact, in many cases, I was the one forecasting, targeting, et cetera, right? These are very sort of minor, if you will, um, issues, but they began to add up. After a while, I was getting frustrated. Um, I felt like I was having to work twice, three times, four times as hard sometimes to have the same outcome as he did just for showing up, basically. And so each time something like that would happen, I would get more frustrated. And then I started to talk with other female storm chasers who, in many cases, reflected similar experiences and realized that there was actually an issue here. Um, and what I found the most confusing about it was it was sort of accepted as this, this is just the way this is. Like, storm chasing is male-dominated. Men are recognized as being leaders in this area. Women are out there still doing their thing. But, yep, 
it, we just don't get the coverage and, you know, the engagement and the sales and aren't recognized for what we're producing. So this continued to happen in kind of a cyclic pattern for about a year and a half. And each time I would get more frustrated and someone would say, do something about it. If you're right, if you're so frustrated, do something about it. And I would say, well, I'm too new to the storm chasing community, right? This needs to get handled by, uh, you know, a female chaser who's been around for 20 years. I just feel like this isn't my thing. Um, and one day I just snapped <laughs> and said, I've had it. Um, you know, if female chasers won't be recognized in traditional media um, and by others, then uh, we're going to create our own. And so I, I launched an Instagram page. That's all it started as called Girls Who Chase and uh, was almost immediately blown away by uh, the feedback I received, which was overwhelming and positive and lots of excitement. Um, and in a very short period of time, started to receive submissions from all over the world. Um, we are now actually at 15 countries and counting in terms of content submitted by female chasers. Um, and then I started to get letters from um, like, you know, DMs and stuff from from folks outside of, of the chasing community. Um, and one that will always stand out to me was from a sixth grade science teacher who said, I want you to know that I'm showing this page to my students because I think weather is a great entree into the sciences. And I want them to know that girls can do anything. And each time I, it would make me kind of emotional and I would sometimes cry a little bit. And then eventually I thought, OK, we're clearly on to something here. What you know, what are the options here? Right. Like thinking about women in STEM. Right. If folks are so excited about this and storm chasing is such a great way to illustrate women doing science in kind of a badass way that's that's engaging and interesting um, and that's so non-stereotypical. How can my sort of communications acumen lend itself to to making this bigger, essentially? And so um, as this continued, it kind of began to snowball in a way and um, then developed a full media platform um, that we launched in January 2022 that included a website and a podcast and uh, several other things. And then the media coverage started in March 2022. And the crazy thing about media coverage is that typically, at least in my experience, it sort of runs its course and then, you know, it moves along, right? Moves along with the news cycle. Um, Girls Who Chase has continued to receive media coverage in expanding size, sc scope, scale that continues to slow burn even today. I mean, I'm talking to you right now, but um, and. And so it it has continued to push me in the sense that, um, okay, now we're being hit at a megaphone. And so what is our level of responsibility here in terms of what we want to say? And what that has manifested as for me because of my journey in recognizing that I was self-limiting and, you know, can this then be broadened? to maybe other women in some of these areas is kind of two pillars uh, for girls to chase. The first is this empowerment pillar um, where, you know, it, it's focused on recognizing that thing that lights you up, whatever it is, doesn't have to be storm chasing. Um, it was for me. And re also recognizing when, when you're saying to yourself, I can't do that or I shouldn't do that or 
I don't belong there for one reason or another. The hardest part is recognizing that those stories are even happening internally and then uh, removing those those self-limiting barriers. So that's pillar one. Pillar two is engaging girls and women in STEM and in particular in weather. I mean, I think the great thing about storm chasing is it's such so visually engaging, right? It's It's not that there's anything wrong with showing a woman in a lab coat in a lab doing work, but is it as engaging as a woman in the field next to a tornado? <laughs> um, and what is that? What message does that send in terms of what we're capable of? Wow. Okay. So um, I want to back up a little to um, kind of these reasons not to, because as you were saying that, I was thinking like I became a meteorologist because I wanted to chase storms. So I was just trying to figure out like where that changed in my life. And so I'm like internalizing this right now. Um but I think at some point I was told, you're a female, you should do TV. Like, that's a great field for a female to get into. You'll do great. Um, so that's the direction I went. I was also told, well, it's not meteorologists that are storm chasing. Those are like adventurous. Those are people who are, you know, not trained meteorologists. So that was confusing to me as well. And then at that time, people also said, this is not a lucrative business. This is not something you make money at, which that was also 25 years ago. So I know things have changed. So there's all these reasons not to. I'm curious if you can address some of the reasons that I'm still thinking of right now. I'm still telling myself this is not something I can ever do. Uh, one of those being the costs associated with this, the equipment alone, the forecasting knowledge you have to have, the travel associated with it, I'm a mom, um, which as a woman also comes into play. And then like really simple little things like are bathrooms readily available? Do you have to plan when you're storm chasing around certain times of the month? These are all things that I'm thinking of reasons not to do this. So go and honestly, knock them all out for me. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, this is a great list of reasons not to. <laughs> like the, all of that is very rational and logical and true and um, and I, I, it's easy to get overwhelmed by what it takes to do this successfully. And it's interesting, too, that the message you got was meteorologists don't storm chase because the message I had been telling myself was you have to be a meteorologist to storm chase and you're not one. <laughs> so isn't that interesting? Part of it, like just back to the is this a lucrative career? It's a, it can be, but it's really hard work. And what I've noticed, obviously, starting to storm chase later, I'm over 40 now, is I it takes me sometimes days to recover from a long day out, um, especially when I'm traveling. Um, it's just a lot. It's hard on the body. It's the miles on the road. Sometimes you're not getting a ton of sleep for one reason or another. Right. You have to get somewhere that's not close. So it's a long drive and then a short night and then you have to get to your target area Um and then there's just a lot going on when you're chasing, right? And your body's kind of in this information transfer, adrenaline, cortisol state. Um, and that gets harder and harder to recover from later in life. So that alone, you know, is, is a lot. Um, the folks who do well at it have found a way to build a business model that works for them. But I, I have noticed that the trend in the sort of full-timers, if you will. So the folks who are out 
capturing video and doing content production and being social media influencers are younger because it's intense. It's a lot. And oftentimes as they get as they get older, they kind of age out of it. Right. They get families. They find other priorities. Things come up that prevent them from one reason or another. And so I think the the folks who continue to enjoy it and do the best in a sustainable way look at it as a hobby. Um, and again, this is not an across the board. There are folks who have this figured out, you know, and more power to them. But I, I've noticed that a lot of my friends who are older and who also have families and other things going on find times to chase that fit into the, the rest of their lives. It's about finding a way to integrate it into your life in a healthy way that works for you. For some people, that means they take a week off every year and do what's called a chasecation. There are a lot of folks who do that. You are taking the risk of during that week, there might not be any weather. And so you're driving around Kansas looking at nothing. Other folks, like I've got a friend who works six months of the year during the winter and then chases the other six months and is able to fund his lifestyle that way. Um, in my case, I you know, live in Denver and so take advantage of opportunities to chase kind of within a certain range. Um, I now consult instead of working full time. So I have more control over my work schedule and can oftentimes kind of take off for a day or two without too much trouble. Yeah, it's funny. We all think of, and I think Helen Hunt did a lot for the female storm chasing community back in the 90s, too. But we all think of tornadoes when we think of storm chasing, too. But there's a lot of other weather out there. The climate's changing. We're getting all this extreme weather and everybody wants to see it. So can you address some of these other storm chasing situations that you find yourself in that maybe people don't even think about? I, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. Um, so tornadoes were the thing that got me interested. Um, uh, I was terrified of severe weather growing up and then started having dreams about tornadoes. And I, I've never really. And it's interesting because since I've started chasing, those dreams have largely stopped, actually. So really, yeah, it's almost wow. like I finally there's just a curiosity in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because in the dreams, I'm always like I'm the only one that sees it coming. And I'm always trying to save people and like get them into a basement. <laughs> But yeah, so it started with tornadoes. And then um, I was never I didn't own a camera. I was never into photography. And uh, at some point, somebody said to me, I think two or three years into chasing, you know, you should really maybe consider getting a camera because you kind of have an eye for this and it'd be really cool. I feel like people would buy prints from you and really appreciate it. And I said, you know, OK, I mean, that's not a terrible idea. So then I think I started to look at storms differently as in like cool structure or is it happening during a sunset? How is it picking up light? What is my foreground? Um, and so I think probably my favorite photography opportunity when chasing and, and probably the prize outside of tornadoes for chasers is a really great structured supercell. Um, getting really interesting weather in amazing places like just is kind of it for me. Um, but in addition to that, I actually had the opportunity to add volcanoes to my portfolio. I covered Mauna Loa, the Mauna Loa eruption last December in Hawaii. I've long wanted to go see an erupting volcano and um, 
had gotten myself to a point, I think, where I'd sort of figured out the travel and the photography and so was able to put all of those pieces together to be able to do that. And um, I also was able to participate in a media chartered flight over the volcano, which was the only way really to get close to Mauna Loa just because of the topography. And I had never actually been in a helicopter. And so that was quite the um, entree (laughs) into photography out of a helicopter. Um, But hey, you know, always up for the challenge. And frankly, one of the best hours of my life. That was particularly standout. Um, There are, as far as I know, only two women in the storm chase community who do volcanoes. So um, somewhat of a rarity. I mean, volcano photography in and of itself, I think is fairly small. And the other thing is, you know, we're reaching the solar maximum for uh, Aurora. And uh, we actually had Aurora all the way down into Colorado last March. So I captured my first Aurora in eastern Colorado, of all places, um, and am very interested in having more opportunities to do that um, in places where, you know, it's overhead and, and there are other ways to get kind of beautiful foregrounds with that. So that's also on my radar, pun intended. Um, and then there are folks who... Um, I mean, it just kind of depends on the part of the country. So I'm now getting into monsoons and shooting lightning. A lot of folks do hurricanes, which is not my thing. I grew up in the Southeast and have been in 10 of them and am not interested. (laughs) And, you know, for better or worse, I guess, um, because of all the changes we're seeing um, globally, but in particular nationally relative to how whether we're seeing more extreme weather or, you know, drought issues, et cetera, um, there is more to cover, essentially, when it comes to weather-induced climate change responses. I do want to go back to Helen Hunt, though, really quick, because um, <laughs> she was my inspiration, man. And you are That's not why alone. I'm a meteorologist. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's amazing, and yet, at the same time, kind of horrifying to me, because the movie is now 27 years old and Helen Hunt isn't real. And so that is the part I think, you know, when you were to ask a female storm chaser or a female Met in many cases, Helen Hunt is often like Joe, that character Joe is often what is brought, what is brought up because we don't have a lot of representation. And so that's it. um, And so I mean, she's the reason I wore khakis and a white tank top for an entire year. I'm sure you're not alone in that. She was so (laughs) badass. And she was the one in charge. You know, it's not just that she was there, but she was the one in charge. Totally. All of that. Yes. And let's replace her with someone real or someone's real. You know, like it is so overdue. So. So, okay, so you want to put these women in that position of being an influencer like Helen Hunt was for maybe our generation. So tell me about who you work with. Tell me who you're putting forward and showing to young girls so that they can be inspired. There's a pool of very active female chasers who all live in different parts of the country, world, et cetera, chase different things, have different specialties, and are doing, in some cases, really interesting research um, or, and or broadcast meteorologists, I mean, in, in all different areas of weather. And a big part of it is telling their story. What got you where you were? You know, what barriers did you face? How did you surmount those barriers? Um, and 
making sure that the human parts of those stories get surfaced because that's the part that I want an eight-year-old girl, you know, outside with a kestrel instrument nerding out to hear because that to me creates a path that we didn't have, you know, is you don't know who's going to hear that and how it's going to change the trajectory of their lives. So there are a lot of different ways that we're doing that. One of the areas um, that we've been looking at for a while in in kind of developing a more comprehensive program is in, in the K-12 space. So it's not even reinventing the wheel in terms of going into a classroom and talking about severe weather. It's just that it's a woman doing it and making sure that the girls in those classrooms are seeing women in there talking about storm chasing and doing other things. It, it does... We already actually have data that that makes a difference. So finding a way to develop some kind of comprehensive program that gets women into classrooms talking about whether it's storm chasing or severe weather awareness or actual meteorology. I mean, you know, take your pick. Um, so that's certainly a piece of it. The other is um, finding different ways to develop different types of media uh, around women or their stories or that highlight their work in in one way or another. And so we're doing that in all of the various facets of the Girls Who Chase platform. So, you know, podcast interviews, YouTube clips. So just, you know, making sure that we're stepping into a lot of areas that have long been present in, in these spaces, but making sure that there's actually a face associated with it, because we all know that adage, if you can see it, you can be it. So you mentioned that you didn't have photography training. So how did you get that? Were you self-taught? I noticed that Girls Who Chase, there's training options there on your website, correct? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I'm realizing, um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll give you an exclusive here, um, is that while we're encouraging additional media coverage of, of women storm chasing, I also want to make sure that we're supporting women in building out the skill sets that would make them successful in, in media, whatever type of media it is. So um, we offered our first um, day long virtual storm chasing 101 called spring training. It was a total experiment in March. Um, and I didn't know who was going to show up. My goal was 150 and I thought that might be a little high. Um, and cause we just weren't sure whether there was a market for it. People wanted to build out, you know, forecasting, planning, photography, content production skills, et cetera. Um, we ended up having over 320 people register. And wow. so that was remarkable <laughs> in and of Were itself. Were they all women? Um, it girls was and not, women? it was everyone. It was a mix, all ages, um, you know, different ethnicity, ethnic backgrounds. Some were chasers, some weren't. Some were coming in from the photography side as opposed to the chasing side who wanted to build out, you know, their forecasting acumen. Um, so that was eye-opening. And what we're now doing is I am separating the kind of like build out your storm chasing skills from the content production self-presentation skills. And so starting this fall, we're going to be offering what I'm calling a communication series. So I'm going to be doing a media training um, in the next 
three to four weeks. And then we will have uh, fundamentals of storm photography will be our other option. So, okay, so you're doing this thing where you're inspiring young girls and showing them people who look like them in the storm chasing world. You're training people who want to get into this. Are you doing anything to elevate people who are already in this, especially given your background as a science communicator in this PR world? Are you pitching to broadcast companies? Because I work for a broadcast company. We employ storm chasers. I've never seen a female storm chaser shown on our broadcast. So I'm curious if you're doing anything to put those voices out there and sell them to people who don't know they exist. The short answer is yes. That's been a bit slower of a process because there's a very sort of established kind of brokering contact relationship with a lot of networks. Um, I will say that I already have had a couple of weather networks reach out and ask what that would look like and how do we get more women on air. And so I think we're kind of figuring this out together, what what the answer is. Um, And they are certainly going out of their way to reach out to me and say, hey, you know, do you have anyone on Idalia, for example, where we could do a phoner or make sure that we have content coming in, et cetera. A lot of female chasers weren't aware that brokers, media, like storm chasing content brokers existed, that stuff was saleable, right? That there was a certain value to things and that networks were looking to establish these relationships. So it's it's even more complex than why aren't there any women? Um, and so it's really understanding what those barriers are and like what's getting in the way of establishing those relationships. So um, I think now at this point, we're better prepared for me to say to a network, okay, you want someone to cover this lake effect snowstorm. I've got, you know, two folks up there who plan to be out. A lot of what I see too is very confident men in the field of knowing their value and slapping their giant logo across their work. And it never gets illegally shared without permission, without paying what they think that they are owed. So, you know, I think what you're doing is great because at the core of it, you're building the confidence of women to get to that point where they know their work is of equal value. This is a big one. Um, It's and that's part of why we've gotten into this sort of data gathering mode, because almost all of the weird stories that I was telling myself or assumptions that I made about my value or issues that I struggled with, like imposter syndrome, is is broadly shared. And so I think the first step is recognizing you have the problem. The second step is recognizing you are not alone (laughs) in that. And then the third, it turns out, has been becoming part of a community that is collectively elevating to resolve those issues, kind of. And um, it, yes, it turns out that male storm chasers in general don't have a whole lot of imposter syndrome that they struggle with. And so while we're over here obsessing and fussing over, is this good enough? They've already sold whatever they captured. What we're finding is that it's a cyclic cultural and media issue. So it's not coming from a direct source or a person who's attempting to somehow marginalize. It's actually this sort of like 
um, at some point, a combination of reality television and what media was representing as who a storm chaser was set the cultural understanding for who a storm chaser was and how we behave and who does this and who doesn't. And then culture said, okay, that's who that is. Great. And media wants to satisfy cultural demands and make do more of the same. And so it just became this kind of like, everyone thinks this is what we want status quo. And it didn't actually take much for everyone to say, wait a minute, like, why is this happening the way that it is? Why, why, are, why <laughs> is it this way? And so I feel like what Girls Who Chase did actually was interrupt that process um, in a lot of ways. And so it's not that networks aren't open to representing the actual wealth of diversity that is out there um, in the storm chasing community and, and using content from other folks, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that they didn't really know it was there. And the diversity side of the storm chasing community didn't know there was a possibility. And there was also this kind of like what I walked into when I started storm chasing was this is just the way it is. And everyone was just okay with that kind of, or they weren't okay with it, but they didn't really know how to change it by themselves. And so it's almost like we've had this kind of collective recognition now that this was the way it was. We don't actually want it to be this way. <laughs> and so here's how together we can change that and shift that cycle to something else. The last thing I want to bring up, and then I'll let you go, <laughs> um, is gender inequities and kind of this recognition that men and women are different. You know, you can't generalize everyone together, but different talents, different strengths, different weaknesses sometimes. Is there anything in the storm chasing world that you generally see women doing better or more successful at or really honing in on a certain thing that maybe wasn't being um, highlighted before when it comes to storm chasing? I actually think one of the limiting factors for women in storm chasing relative to content production is our sense of our own mortality. <laughs> and what I mean by that is things that sell, things that go viral uh, in the storm chasing community are close range intercepts of tornadoes, destroying your windshield, inhale, um, damage, videos of property being damaged, et cetera. It's not that women don't capture that content. We capture it from a safe distance. We don't tend to blow our windshields out or, um, you know, get into a dangerous scenario where we're almost too close to a tornado and get overrun. So if you look at statistics of um, encounters with tornadoes or lightning strikes or anything like that, it's about 80% men. And there's just a data-driven re reason for that. Um, so on the flip side, what I have noticed that women do better, and you see it on our Instagram page, is find the beauty in weather. So the focus is less on the destructive nature and it's not that it's not there. We do, I mean, we have women who cover hurricanes and damage and everything else. But as a general rule, if you are looking for the beauty of weather, you will find that as an aggregate 
on our Instagram page. I've had folks remark on that several times that, you know, they've just never, never really seen it in such a powerful way. And so it is, it's just a different, we see things differently. Um, we're often further away <laughs> from things. So you see more of a storm or a different perspective. Um, and there's just less drama in general, less personal property being destroyed. There's less shouting, screaming, hand waving, right? We just get in, get the job done, stay in one piece <laughs> and then leave. Like, And unfortunately, that doesn't sell as much. And so there is a there is actually a cultural and technical reason why women are in less storm chasing media. And it's because like we're less dangerous. Uh, and again, there are exceptions in both directions for sure. Um, but like it just is what it is. Wow. OK, that was really well put. You gave me goosebumps. Um, I think that's amazing and a, a great spot to end. But um, is there anything else you want to add in before I've taken so much of your time? But I really appreciate every single word you've said. If you're listening to this, you don't have to start storm chasing. But I, I want you to know that whatever it is, that the thing is that lights you up the most, that deep down inside, you know, whatever that thing is and whether it's the thing you're doing for work or on the side or that you're not doing because you've told yourself you couldn't or shouldn't be, that is the thing that matters. And it is possible for you to do the thing. So do the work of finding your limiting stories, whatever it is that you're telling yourself about why you can't. It's not true. And I know that that's scary, but it's worth it. And lastly, girls and women can do anything. So don't let that get in your way. Awesome. Jen Walton, congratulations on everything you've done for the community, for women, for storm chasers. It's, it's all very impressive. Thank you. A big thanks to Jen for being on the show today. Also, a shout out to Brett Adair for those sound clips at the beginning of the episode. If you're not already following Girls Who Chase on Instagram, you're missing out. Amazing photos there. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning. If you know a woman or a girl who's interested in pursuing storm chasing or meteorology, please share this episode with them. Also, check out our YouTube channel to see the video version of this interview, along with storm chasing content from these amazing women across the world. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and you can give me ideas for future episodes while you're there. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.